Welcome to Economic Development Secrets, where economic developers from across the country spill their secrets to our host, Nicole D'Souza. You'll hear firsthand accounts from economic developers in the trenches, from what works to what doesn't work, how deals come together or how deals go bad. You'll hear everyone's economic development secrets. Welcome to Economic Development Secrets. This month's special guest is Carlton Schwab, President and CEO of the Texas Economic Development Council. As the leader of a state advocacy group, Carlton shares a unique perspective on economic development at the state and local level and also discusses the future of economic development. It's time to listen to Carlton's Economic Development Secrets. Hi, Carlton. Welcome to Economic Development Secrets. Hi, Nicole. Glad to be here. Thank you for having me. Of course, of course. Well, can you start out by telling the audience a little bit about you, yourself, please? <laughs> well, um, I've been at the TEDC now. I mean, uh, just uh, started my 19th year. Um, I started here in February of 1999. Um, and uh, prior to, you know, my years at the, at the TEDC, I, I worked uh, in local economic development for a while in Lubbock, Texas, uh, back in the late 1980s. Then um, I spent uh, seven years in the site location business with um, a small company that was eventually bought by Deloitte and did that uh, to the late 90s uh, before coming over here. So uh, I've been involved in, in economic development or in corporate site location, um, and in this job for nearly 30 years. Wow, that's impressive. Can you tell us a little bit about TEDC? TEDC is the Association of Economic Development Professionals in the state of Texas. We've, uh, we've been around since 1961, um, and, and we, we uh, really took off uh, with our growth uh, in the early 90s, after uh, the Texas legislature passed the economic development sales tax. And with that, um, many more communities in our state became involved in economic development at the local level. And our organization has been the beneficiary of uh, the growth in interest in economic development at the local level. And in uh, really the professionalization of economic development work at the local level um, in our state. Well, and Texas is so diverse when it comes to different municipalities and types of economic development organizations and everything. Um, can you talk a little bit about leading um, an advocacy group for Texas and having such a variation in, I guess, um, your clientele? Yeah, that, that, that's a great question, Nicole. Um, you know, we have a strong state program in Texas, which hasn't always been the case, by the way. But because of our history uh, with the economic development sales tax, and going back before the state um, had that tool and economic development at the local level was run by chambers of commerce 
mainly in the big cities, but in some of the smaller cities as well, the tradition has been that um, economic development is, is a local uh, enterprise. It's about local control um, with the state acting in a support role. Whereas in other states, the state really oftentimes takes the lead role and the local um, efforts and organizations um, take a, a following kind of role. Here, it's really pretty much the, the opposite. So it's really on the local communities to figure out what they're gonna do, what kind of economic development effort they wanna have, whether that's more community development oriented or whether that's more traditional economic development oriented, it's really on them to determine their future and, and what they're gonna be and what they're gonna look like. So back to your question about what that looks like, you know, in some places, in some small towns in Texas, they're literally uh, not ready for economic development. They're focusing on community development and wanna do the community development piece before they can do economic development. Other communities want or believe that they need to do, uh, you know, sort of traditional economic development. Others want to do a mix. So it makes for, uh, you know, an interesting organization. But what we all have in common, for the most part, is that we are involved in and believe in economic development uh, at the local level and that it's a local kind of enterprise and, and where the state can help us when we need the help and when it, it comes time to close the deals that, that we are all trying to get at the local level. That's wonderful. Well, how do you think incentives have played into how well Texas has done in the economic development field? Well, you know, the, again, at the local level, it's, it's on the communities. I mean, some communities are going to be very aggressive in using um, tax abatements, in, in using um, uh, value limitation agreements, uh, which, which is something we have um, uh, and, and that we use as a tool in our state. Um, some communities even get involved in uh, providing um, uh, cash incentives per job created. Um, so communities can be as aggressive as they want to be. So there's that side of the equation. Again, it's a local issue, a local control kind of, uh, of, of approach. At the state level, we have, um, uh, you know, programs like the Texas Enterprise Fund, which have been, uh, which have been used going back um, 14 years now. And the, the Enterprise Fund is really a deal closing fund. In many states, have these deal closing funds. And, um, you know, they're used when there's one uh, Texas location competing against locations from other states. And that's when uh, our deal closing fund comes into play. I think that we have done uh, a really great job using that fund in closing deals, but we don't, we don't win them all. Uh, we, we, we kind of have the reputation out there for having just uh, unlimited resources when it comes to the deal closing fund. 
but in in reality, um, we lose far many far more than we win, and especially these last two or three years, the enterprise fund has been used very judiciously, and um, so you know this whole incentives game. We like to say it's not one we invented, uh, but it's one that if we want to win projects, we have to play in. And there are um, other states, some of our neighboring states, really play in this game. Um, and, and much of their competition is to beat us. And I can think of examples of projects that we've lost the last several years where their version of the enterprise fund came in much higher than our version uh, or our enterprise fund did because they want to compete and they want to be aggressive and they want to land these projects. That's so interesting. Well, and then I'm sure this depends on the size of the community and the organizational structure, but as you're talking to clients, what are some of the biggest issues that are on their minds as it comes, as a, it refers to economic development? Well, you know, our, um, our main ad advantage when, when it comes to, um, uh, you know, the corporate site location world giving us a look is our location really on the continent uh, and in the Western Hemisphere. If you think about where Texas is located, we're in the middle of the southern tier of the United States. We're in the middle of the NAFTA corridor. And so location gives us an advantage going into uh, many projects. So if you're looking for a headquarters, uh, let's say you're a, a company that has made a beachhead uh, on one of the coasts and, and you're a foreign company and your, uh, your US headquarters have, have been in New Jersey or in Southern California um, for the last 30 years, but now you've you've established more than a beachhead. You're a, 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 a you're competing in the U.S. market uh, alongside uh, you know the traditional U.S. companies, and you're looking to be in the middle of the country. We oftentimes get that look uh, again with the central time zone. Uh, with the, the 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 central location, and and um, with and, and that occurs in both corporate headquarters types locate type of locations as well as manufacturing and certainly logistics related projects are looking at us because we have this we go into the the search with with a natural geographic advantage. Um, so that gives that that gives us a leg up on uh, perhaps other states that aren't as uh, geographically well situated as we are. Right. Absolutely. That totally makes sense. Well, and then now with the Amazon two headquarters, I believe it's selected two potential sites. Well, not sites, but regions. Right, Austin and Dallas in Texas. Correct. Are you hearing any buzz about that? Well, you know, it's uh, it's almost daily written about in the business journals, uh, in the Dallas-Fort Worth Business Journal and, and also in the Austin Business Journal. Um, you know, a lot of commentary, a lot of um, 
a lot of articles in the clips that we produce for our members every Friday morning. Um, it's a it's a fascinating project. It uh, in those regions that are working on it, it seems to have just eclipsed most everything else that that they uh, they are working on. Uh, just in my conversations, um, you, you know, with the economic development professionals in Austin and in the Dallas Fort Worth area, uh, I would like to think that of the 20 finalist commu uh, communities or regions, they have as good a chance of, uh, of competing as any other place in the country. And obviously, uh, Amazon thinks so. So it'll be interesting to see how this plays out. It will be very interesting. Well, we also know economic development, the whole field seems to change at the speed of light. Um, so how do you see the economic development field continue to grow and change in the future? Great question, one that we, um, we grapple with uh, all the time. I, I think that we have got to really, our professionals need to get involved in economic development in its totality. Uh, even more so than ever before, because you simply can't uh, measure success anymore in jobs. I mean, to jobs created was has always been kind of a, a way to measure economic development success. And, you know, with uh, automation of, of so many activities now, it's just no longer um, a, a completely effective way of analyzing success and what i'd like to see our professionals get into and and it's already occurring is to get into get their themselves and their boards into uh looking at this thing in a more holistic way looking at economic development in more in a more holistic way uh how do local education programs and workforce development programs affect uh, a community's ability to compete uh, or perhaps not compete. Um, how about, uh, you know, what about the, uh, the issue of, of place? What does your community look like? Is it a place that people want to, uh, to live? They want to raise, do the, is it a place they want to raise a family? Um, all of the sort of softer issues or it used to be considered softer issues that are related um, to long-term success. We, we need to um, educate our board members and our elected officials that uh, this is a long-term, uh, it's a much more long-term kind of enterprise as a opposed to the old, uh, you know, let's, uh, let's shoot some, um, um, some game and hang the skins on the wall. Um, that era is over. Um, and it, it's been over, but I think we're just now uh, trying to understand that or coming to terms with that. And then the one other thing that I think is very interesting, and it will no doubt help change our business for the better, uh, is the number of women entering economic development. I, I see that as a very uh, positive development uh, in terms of our profession. Our baby boomers are uh, retiring at a rapid clip. And um, if, if you were to 
sit in on one of our basic courses, for example, uh, about 55 to 60 percent of the attendees in our basic economic development course are women. And uh, they have a different take on how economic development works and, and how it should work. And, and, and so do the millennials. So I, I see uh, really positive things coming uh, about in our business. And the change is actually occurring much more rapidly, uh, I think, than any of us anticipated. That is also extremely interesting. I, I love your perspective there. Well, um, what resources does TDC offer to their membership? Well, we're a professional association. So we, um, we do things uh, that professional associations do in support of their membership. So um, we, we get together uh, for conferences three times a year, uh, generally have one in, in, in and around this time frame, February, uh, early to uh, sometime in the month of February, then early June, uh, which we call our mid-year. Uh, during the legislative sessions, we have the February um, meeting is called the Legislative Conference. This year, it's called the Winter Meeting. And we have a mid-year uh, generally in early June. And then we have our annual conference, like a lot of associations, uh, in, in October. We also um, do webinars. We six to, we have six to eight webinars a year. And then we do uh, five to seven economic development sales tax workshops where we move our workshops around the state. And the idea is that we train our professionals, our board members, and city council members about this wonderful resource called the Economic Development Sales Tax. So that is something that we've been doing now for 14 years, and it is a way for us to expand our influence outside of Austin and to, um, to help educate, uh, again, local leaders in the, um, uh, the, the law and how to do economic development best in their communities. And then finally, um, the Texas legislature meets every other year and we spend a great deal of time over there uh, working on behalf of legislation that supports economic development and working to oppose legislation that uh, does not enhance the competitive environment um, in our state. Wonderful. Well, and then for those of you, I, I know you're very well known in Texas, um, but for those who, who aren't as familiar, uh, TDC does a wonderful job of creating a community of economic developers within the state. I mean, I know whenever we go, it's like having a mini reunion of just friends coming to, you know, the conferences, to the classes and everything. And so um, thank you. You do a great job with facilitating those relationships. Well, thank you, Nicole. We we try really hard. We uh, we we like to think we're a big family uh, in our state, and uh, and and we work to try to keep it that way. That's wonderful. Well, Carlton, I have a few wrap up questions for you. Sure. Uh, the first one is: What advice do you have for a young economic developer who is relatively early in his or her career? 
Wow, great question. Um, let me start by giving them a warning. Uh, once they get into economic development, it really gets into your blood. And uh, I know uh, I left economic development briefly and I could never stop thinking about it. So um, the, it, once you get kind of hooked into this business, it's a wonderful, uh, it's a wonderful way to, to spend your life and your career. Um, the, the advice I would give is um, it is a, it's pretty consuming, but it is one of those professions where you can have an impact. And uh, I know that's what got me interested in economic development and has kept me interested. I've always felt like, uh, you know, you, we were working to, to do something good and do something on behalf of folks out there. You know, jobs are important. Uh, the ability for someone to make a living in their community, uh, maybe have their children stay and make a living in that community, their grandchildren, that's important to so many people. So, um, you know, the, the economic developers out there can have an impact on communities in ways that, you know, other jobs that they might have um, simply aren't um, able to do. So that's an exciting thing. That's one thing that's always, you know, piqued my interest in, in, in what it is we do. But I'd also say uh, to, to those entering the business is continue to help change it. We're not a perfect kind of enterprise. It does need to change. It needs to, to become more holistic. And I'm counting on uh, the younger um, folks that are in our, our business to help lead that. And like I said a little bit earlier, I think it's happening. It's happening really quickly. But that would be um, the thing I would try to encourage uh, young people who are entering this business, that we can change it. It's, it's a great business as it is, but we can even make it better. Wonderful. Well, my last question is, what is your favorite hobby? <laughs> I, well, I have a ranch. And uh, I, uh, I have uh, 10 Texas Longhorn cows, registered Texas Longhorn cows. Um, so I like to mess around with them, sell them, buy them, trade them, um, measure how long their horns are getting, uh, that kind of thing. I like being outside. Uh, I like, uh, I, I love the outdoors. So in addition to that, I like to hike and um you know, I like to go to Colorado and um, in Wyoming and Montana and hike in the summer. And if I can couple that with some fly fishing, you know, I'm in heaven. Ah, oh, that sounds so wonderful. Oh, my goodness. Yeah. Oh, you have longhorns. That's really neat. <laughs> well, you know, don't 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 get into in too deep with me about my longhorns. I'll start sending you pictures and all that. It's you know, it's almost <laughs> as bad as my kids. So, <laughs> I'm warning you. 
that's so funny. <laughs> I love it. I love it. Well, Carlton, thank you so much for taking the time to be here with us today and share your economic development wisdom. It's been so interesting, everything you've shared, and I know the audience um, has found it extremely educational as well. So we really appreciate it. Thank you. That's great. Thank you so much for having me, Nicole. Economic Development Secrets is brought to you by Impact Dashboard, the only impact software built for economic developers. For more information on this podcast or to listen to past episodes, check out www.impactdatasource.com.